you are Locked On Jaguars, your daily Jacksonville Jaguars podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome back to another episode of Locked On Jaguars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Zach Goodall. Um, I'm going to see, I don't know if you guys can guess it, but uh, Chris is not with me tonight. He's out doing something else. You guys are getting kind of used to that, uh, but he'll be back with me at some point this week. We might get him on Philip Friday this week. That's kind of to be determined. Um, counting down the days, it's now April, so we definitely want to get him back a couple times so the fans of Misto Christopho can get to hear his lovely voice before he departs from Locked On Jaguars in its entirety. But instead of having Chris with me tonight, I have someone from Big Cat Country with me. He's a friend of mine. Got to meet him in person at a Jaguars tailgate, but he accidentally comes from up north in the Michigan area. It is Ryan O'Blenis of Big Cat Country. He's been there for, what, two years now, Ryan? Yeah, going on two years. That's right. We were we were with each other a bit at BCC when it was kind of, you know, my time was almost up there and I moved on to Locked On, so we got to work with each other a bit, and I know Ryan does really great work you're going to want to check out all of his stuff that he does at BCC. Ryan, thanks for joining me tonight. Appreciate you bringing me on. We've been talking about it forever, so it's nice to finally get together and be able to do it. Yeah. I miss you over there at BCC. <laughs> I sometimes miss writing at BCC and some of the audience, some of the comments. You know, I, I, I If there's one thing I miss about BCC, <laughs> it's messing around in the comment section. Oh, uh, man. <laughs> something else. But if you want to find Ryan's work, you can find him on Twitter at Ryan O'Blenis. That's R-Y-A-N-O-B-L-E-N-E-S-S. And you can find all of his work at Big Cat Country. Now we're going to be talking about a move the Jaguars made today. They did go out and sign running back Alfred Blue. I've kind of seen him coming as a fit for a while as you know he's purely been a backup in Houston. He's spot started a couple of times when Lamar Miller's gone down with an injury. Real, you know, a power type of back. He doesn't bring a ton of, you know, fluidity and able to play, you know, going like making a bunch of cuts. He likes to run people over. That's more his style. So he meshes with what Leonard Fournette, you know, tends to do. Actually comes from the same place that Leonard Fournette did. Uh, Alfred Blue was the running back at LSU from, I believe, 2011 to 2014. And right when he declared for the NFL draft, the, a couple days later, Leonard Fournette committed to LSU for that next year. So really, Blue kind of handed the keys over to Fournette. So we've gotten to watch Blue a couple uh, times throughout the past couple of years because he's been with the Houston Texans. And Ryan, what have your takeaways been of Alfred Blue and his obviously somewhat limited playing time with Houston? I think you pretty much nailed it on the head. I mean, I I don't mind the signing. It's not one that you get super excited about. But I think, you know, as you pointed out, he has plenty of experience. You know, not completely as a starter, but he started some games. He started nine games in 2015. And he, and uh, as you mentioned, he, you know, he has a similar style to Fournette. He's more of a bruising bag, run you over. Not, you know, he's not a burner. Um, you know, I... I haven't really looked too much at how he how he is as a pass protector, but you know, to me, I think this is a signing that you know it's good for the Jags. He's a guy who can come in and spell Fournette when he needs a breather, or you know, hopefully Fournette can be more durable this year. But you know, we struck he struggled with injuries, so he's a guy I think they can rely on in that role. At six two, two hundred twenty three pounds. Blue has carried the ball, surprisingly. I actually didn't realize it was this much, but 673 times over the past four years 
for 2,407 yards, eight touchdowns. So like you said, it's not anything that will really wow you, but he seems like he's been a dependable guy to come in and tote the rock when necessary. And yeah, just matches the style that Fournette plays with. And that's something that uh, general manager Dave Caldwell said last offseason they were looking for in a running back is someone that you know has that same style of play because they don't want to change things drastically on offense between having Fournette out there and a different running back in case Fournette went down. So obviously that was pretty important, but I don't think this would really rule them out from drafting a running back either, right? No, I don't think so at all. And, you know, I, I still really hope they do, um, you know, even if it's on day three. I think, and, and hopefully it's somebody who can catch the ball out of the backfield because I still, you know, you look at the roster at the running back position and they don't really have that third down type back, even with the blue sign, you know, he caught, 69 balls in five seasons uh with houston so you know not a huge volume of that but i think that's something they should still definitely be looking to add now there's it's obviously gives them the flexibility to not need to draft a running back too early in which case they could go into it and be confident that they've got blue and then maybe someone like williams but obviously the idea is that you know they still probably would it just pushes the position down their board uh, there's some guys that I think are really intriguing on day three. Uh, Ryan, you're a Michigan State fan, and you've told me about a guy that I, I unfortunately have neglected to watch just yet uh, and haven't gotten a ton into day three guys yet. But LJ Scott is a guy who really started off hot at Michigan State to start in his career. 17 touchdowns in the first two years, nearly 1,000 yards as a sophomore. Uh, then over the past two years, you know, his production went down a little bit, especially in 2018. Um, he didn't receive too much out of the backfield, uh, had 43 receptions in four years, but he saw, uh, he went from three in his three receptions, his freshman year to 10 sophomore 20, uh, which is a career high as a junior and back to 10 in a less productive senior year. So obviously the ability to do it is there. The sample size might be a bit limited, but it, it seems like he could do that. Is he a guy that you think would be a fit here, uh, as a day three pick? Yeah, I, I think so. And, you know, I, I looked it up the other day and I was just thinking how Jacksonville, you know, they, they never have anybody from Michigan State. I looked it up and I think they've only drafted one player ever and it was back in 95. So it's been a while. Um, but yeah, with Scott, he, uh, to me, he, he's always kind of been one of those players who just projects better as a pro, if that makes sense. Um, he The reason his production went down is because is he really struggled with injuries this past year. Um, and when they did throw the ball to him, out of the backfield, it was usually in the screen game. You know, he's not running a lot of deep routes or anything like that, wheel routes. But uh, he was pretty effective in the screen game. You know, he is uh, – he's a big back. He can run between the tackles, so he, he's kind of more in the in the fold of what we're talking about with Fournette and Blue. So I don't know that necessarily they'll want to add another player like him. But I was – you know, I thought leading up to the draft that he could definitely be a day three target. I don't know if the Blue signing changes that at all, but – you know, he's definitely somebody who I expect to have a decent career in the NFL uh, if he's able to stay healthy, which he struggled with. Now, when we look back to the free agency side of things before we move on to our next segment, uh, there's still a surprising amount of free agents that, you know, can co- come in and contribute on the market right now. And they've addressed, I believe it's every position on offense throughout this um, free agency period and not as much on defense. And we've talked about this off the record, how we think 
they should go after someone like this as a stopgap type of guy, like a, a Belichickian move almost with getting those, you know, stopgap starting caliber guys to be your depth guys. And, you know, that's how te- that's how teams like New England wins by building with those type of guys rather than trying to build through a ton of youth. Um, when you look at this free agent market, who's one guy that you think Jacksonville should look at? Uh, they don't have a ton of space, so it'd have to be a short term you know, low risk, high reward type of deal, but who's someone you think that would be a real key contributor to bring in? Yeah, actually, uh, you and I, as you mentioned, we had talked about this and we really agree that, uh, you know, one veteran guy who we think will be a good, uh, you know, a good player to come in on the defensive side of the ball and, and add depth as a pass rusher is Adrian Claiborne. Um, you know, he's, well, he'll be 31 by the time the season starts, but he's still a guy that I think, has something left in the tank and definitely if he's just in a rotational row uh role as a pass rusher you know i think he's somebody who jacksonville could look at and i don't think you know he's going to be somebody who's too expensive they can get him fairly cheap you know i think cheaper than somebody like a ziggy ansaw who's also still out there right and yeah so you know that's and uh you brought that up on twitter you know, a couple of weeks ago or wherever it was. And then that actually, I was like, yeah, let me look into this. And I really mm. thought that made sense. So, you know, I don't know if there's actually any connection there or not, but it just seems like a good fit to me. Yeah. I think Claiborne would be a really great one. Cause he's a guy that could come in. I mean, his career average in terms of earnings has been somewhere in the three millions per year. So with Jacksonville, not having a ton of space, I still think they have something around 10 to 15 million left in space. So it's something that they could afford without, you know, starting to really get into that risk category. Um, I would wonder if they'd call about Ziggy Ansa. And I know that Dilla on Twitter kind of messed with everyone thinking that they could be calling <laughs> about them, but it was an April fool's joke. I fell for it. Um, <laughs> I but, missed that. Uh, well, the thing with Ziggy is that there, the reason he hasn't gotten, a big deal in the past couple off seasons is one. He's had some injury issues this past year. He's coming off a shoulder injury, but despite that, he still always seems to put up good production and teams reportedly have been scared off by if he's actually the age that he says he is, which is why I thought Dilla's tweet was like an old dude whose name was Ezekiel. Funny enough. Uh, it was kind of cryptic, uh, but he was like this old dude with white hair. So I found it really hilarious but that's just been kind of the running joke is people don't know is uh, Ansa came from Ghana in Africa and there's never been real proof of his birth certificate, just a passport out there saying that he was born in like May of 1989. But no one actually knows if that's his real age. So anyway, what I'm I guess what I'm saying is people are really scared to pay him what he could probably get if he was someone that didn't have an injury history and people actually knew how old he was. In which case, if it's a last resort. <laughs> I would be all for Jacksonville lowballing him, um, as well as obviously looking into Claiborne. But like I said before, just going after a, a, cal- a high caliber player to come in and be your depth piece and talk about flexibility at that point, right? Yeah, you know, with Ziggy, you know, as you mentioned, I'm in Michigan, I'm in the Detroit area, so I, I've watched a lot of him. And in, it's really been injuries that has held him back. He had you know, unlimited potential when they drafted him and he really came out of the gate strong and thought he would be a good player here for a while, but injuries caught up to him like they do with a lot of players and he's not quite the same as he was. But, you know, as you mentioned, if if Jacksonville can get him for a cheap offer, he's still out there and 
you know, maybe those are the reasons why that you mentioned people are scared off of his age or his injury history or whatever it may be. But when he's on, he's on. And I don't think mm-hmm. that would be a bad signing either if they can get him for, for pretty cheap. When we come back, we are going to be moving things toward the draft a little bit more. We're going to be discussing the Jaguars' biggest needs, who we think they should target with those needs, and then a certain prospect that Ryan has some familiarity with will be up later in segment three. But first, these messages. Today's episode of Locked On Jaguars is brought to you by A1 Sliders. Are you one of hundreds of coastal Northeast Florida homeowners who struggle every day to open and close your sliding glass door? Why spend all the money it takes to replace your sliding glass door when Tony and the gang at A1 Sliders could save you money and repair your door for you? A1 Sliders is licensed and insured. They offer free estimates, upfront pricing, and will help you save on heating and cooling costs in your home from leaky sliding glass doors. And at A1, your schedule comes first. A1 Sliders is a fan of the Locked On Jaguars podcast, and in partnering with us, they will give you $25 off of any repair you order, no limit. Just mention Locked On Jaguars before getting your repairs done. Call A1 Sliders now for your free sliding glass door repair estimate at 386-538-6835, or check out their website at www.a1sliders.com. That's 386-538-6835 and www.a1sliders.com. And don't forget to mention Locked On Jaguars for $25 off of any repair you order. A1 Sliders License and Insured LLC covers the Jacksonville area from Fernandina Beach through New Smyrna Beach, based out of Palm Coast, Florida. Contact for more details on location and any questions you may have. So I'll go ahead and ask you, Ryan, what would you say are the top three big, biggest needs for the Jacksonville Jaguars in this upcoming draft? You know, I'd say tackle, tight end, you know, offensive tackle, of course, um, right. tight end. And, you know, I think I know that Jacksonville doesn't seem as worried about it, but I'd still really like to see them add another playmaker at receiver because this group is still really uninspiring to me. Yeah, I definitely see it with receiver. My thing is that they have invested in it somewhat. I mean, with the Chark pick, um, Obviously, paying Lee, we can't rely on anymore at this point. So I wouldn't consider right. that to be an investment that should stop them because we don't know if he'll ever be the same. Um, we've seen D.D. Westbrook kind of break out uh, the low-risk, high-reward deal they gave Conley. So I'm confident it could be a fine receiver group. But last year, I don't know if they went in thinking that they really wanted to take a receiver. And then Chark fell into their laps at 60. They considered him at 29. So if they can yeah. find a value pick like that but not – have it be you know a possession mold have it be one of those like Hakeem Butler you know freak receivers the JJ Arshega however you pronounce it out of Stanford <laughs> um, those type of guys like DK Metcalf wouldn't be there but that type like the freak receivers who can go and make big plays I definitely think would be an awesome pick yeah definitely and I think in that you know Hakeem Butler's second early second round range might be a decent pickup like they got Shark in the second round last year, and I think, you know, he still has potential. He dealt with injuries and the learning curve last year and whatever it may have been. You know, Keelan Cole really regressed. And D.D. Westbrook, you know, I, he was far and away, I thought, the best receiver last year. So right. I think that D.D.'s, you know, going to continue to ascend. Um, but behind him, I'm just not really that confident. So right. yeah, it'll be interesting right. to see. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. Now, my thing with tackle is – I don't know. It's kind of crazy, but 
but I'm I, I'm still a believer in Will Richardson. I get why people aren't. I mean, he was a fourth round pick. Uh, but when you look at his college tape, I always really liked him as a pass protector. Uh, I think that he needed the time to kind of mature into the NFL. But I also totally understand why the people you know might might be still worried about that position. I think that they should address it at some point. I might not stress it as much as I actually would stress right guard because. We've seen four years of AJ Can to realize he's a bit of a yeah, turnstile. Yeah, I, I was pretty, I was pretty surprised that they brought him back. Uh, you know, I, the right side of the line in general is is a concern to me. So absolutely. So I think, I mean, you really couldn't go wrong either way with saying right tackle or right guard. The bottom line is there needs to be someone to that's drafted for that right side to come in and compete. Uh, I know it doesn't seem like they're about having a guy come in and compete at two positions and see which one, whatever one he doesn't win, he gets the other. Because uh, we've talked about that <laughs> in the past with different prospects. Just going back for the past couple of years, there always seems to be that guy. Uh, yeah, they said it with Robinson. They said it with Richardson. I just, you know, mm-hmm. draft a guy to be a tackle. I think that's what they draft him for. Just because he loses a battle doesn't automatically make him a guard. So I never really understood that talk either. But. Right. Now, fortunately, this year there are some guys that, could do that because they have the experience to do so, like uh, Jonah Williams, Dalton Reisner, a um, couple of other prospects. But then you start looking into their size profiles, and it doesn't seem to match what Jacksonville truly likes at those positions. So if we're going to look, we can start on offensive line, since we both definitely agree that's near the top. Who is one guy that you think the Jaguars should try and zero in on uh at, on the offensive line and make him one of their guys in order to protect Nick Foles, the franchise QB? You know, a lot of people have mocked, uh, you know, Jawan Taylor to the Jags, and I, a lot of people have disagreed with it. But, you know, I think that, again, I think with the signing of Foles, what, you, what Jacksonville's priority needs to be is protecting that asset. You know, they're paying him all this money to be their franchise guy. They need to make sure that they have protection for him. And I think Taylor does make sense. I don't know, you know, that he's necessarily going to be the best right tackle. Uh, but, you know, you also have, as you mentioned, Jonah Williams, and you also have Andre Dillard out of Washington State. Mm-hmm. I think any of those three guys could be serviceable. It's number seven too early for them. Uh, it's possible. You know, you could take a tackle in the second round or you could go guard in the second round. Uh you know, maybe somebody like Lidstrom is available at the top of the second round. I think that'd be a great pick there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. I'm so personally, just from my watching, I'm not the biggest fan of Taylor at seven. You could literally drop into the twenties, and I'd be a fan of Taylor. But it, it my, I, I value right tackle a little less than left tackle. Just oh, for sure, yeah. It, especially with it, it, to me, it's about biases. With I know teams are playing two edge rushers now that are really great at rushing the passer that's becoming common. But to me, if you've got a quarterback who opens his body totally to the right side, like Nick Foles, uh, there's a bias there compared to the left side. So Mm -hmm. unless you you're talking like pure dominant right tackle, I'm, I'm just not as sold on it. So that's what kind of scares me about Taylor. But you mentioned that day two group uh, Lindstrom, I mean, Reisner, uh, there's a guy coming out of Alabama State, Titus Howard, who is actually like the perfect size mold compared to some tackles that they've taken in the past in terms of height, weight, length, stuff like that. It's going to be a really big group of valuable offensive linemen there at day two to where I'd get it at seventh overall, but I think I'd prefer it with the 38th pick. 
Yeah, and I think you and I are in agreement that we'd both rather see Jacksonville take a tight end at seven. And, you know, there's all kinds of arguments about it's too early to take a tight end there. But a guy like TJ Hawkinson, who is, you know, he's a very good blocker already. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and he's only going to progress, hopefully, you would imagine, right. and get better at that. But he's also a good receiver. And that's another weapon that you're you're giving for Foles. So, you know, you and I had talked about him a lot. And I don't know that it's likely. You know, it doesn't really seem like a move this front office would make. But it, it'd be, you know, that's who I want the Jaguars to take. Right. And, uh, and I'm the same way as you. Uh, I would, I, I mean, I think in a perfect world, I would love for them to take Haskins and figure out quarterback for the next 15 years. But we both... We both think that that's pretty unlikely, in which case Hawkinson is far and away my favorite at that point. Uh, he, Like you said, I mean, the blocking's there. He's pretty much a sixth offensive lineman at that point. And I think that durability is really important to this team this uh, offseason because obviously what happened last year. And I did some research, and Hawkinson, I mean, he's obviously been at Iowa State for three years. He's played in all three uh, a lot more over the past two um, but going back through high school, I couldn't find that he had ever missed a game. And he was a four-year starter on uh, offense for football. He was also either a three- or four-year basketball player there. And he never missed any time. So Yeah, sign me up for that. Get, get, I don't care if it's yeah. Hawkinson or anyone. I mean, you get that type of non-injury history at a need, and I think the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to salivate at that. So we both definitely think that at tight end – we talked receiver. Now, if you're going defense, and we've both said we don't like it at seven, but what would you say the biggest need is on defense for them to add this offseason? Or draft, I should yeah. say. Yeah, you know, I, there's no way the Jags do this at number seven overall, but I, to me, I think the, the one area they need to focus on on defense is safety. Now, if they were to de- uh, draft defense at seven overall, you know, they're definitely looking at a defensive lineman, I think, uh, you know, Somebody possibly like Montez Sweat, uh, former Spartan, by the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, and, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he got kicked off the team, but oh well, that, <laughs> so that... <laughs> trade, he went from one MSU to the other MSU. These are some things I'm gonna have to look up real quick if they're yeah. like, for the character concerns. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think it's been an issue since, but uh, right, you know, he was young. Uh, you know, if somebody like Quentin Williams were to fall. I just think that that's a talent the Jags can't pass up regardless of need. I don't right. necessarily think he'll still be sitting there at seven. You know, obviously guys like Bosa and Allen are going to be gone, but you might have a guy like Brian Burns sitting there. Um, you know, they're, they're definitely – this is definitely a defensive-heavy draft. I think everybody knows that. There's a lot of, of top-level talent here that's going to go early. So, you know, if the Jaguars, if, if that is what they want to do – you know, add more depth to the defensive line, then, you know, you can't fault them because of the amount of talent. But you and I were talking earlier and we just said, you know, drafting for depth, that's a luxury the Jaguars don't have right now. They need a lot of help on offense. And I just don't see why you would waste that pick on a defensive player. But, you know, they've, they've made some surprising deci- uh, decisions before. So we'll see I, what happens. I think the quote you just used was a perfect way to describe it is that, Drafting, you know, defensive depth is a luxury that they don't have, and I, I, I don't know if enough people see it like that. I think that's that that knocks it out of the park because it's ideal, right, to be able to draft that type of depth. But they just for a team that needs to go win right now, or else everyone's jobs are 
gone. It just it doesn't seem like something that they can risk doing. I think you nailed that. When we come back, we're going to be talking about a little bit more defensive depth. It's not worth the seventh overall pick. However, it's someone that's really emerged late as a hot prospect. Ryan's gotten a good look at him over the past couple of years at Michigan State. We're going to talk about a cornerback that the Jaguars could have their eyes on on day two when we come back from these messages. So we're going to be talking about a converted wide receiver and the Jaguars, they need some depth, uh, new depth at cornerback, but we also talked about how they could use a receiver. Maybe we can use him two ways here. His name is Justin Lane out of Michigan State. Uh, he's been playing corner for, I believe, two years there. He's got the size profile that uh, Christian Bedgood of Locked On Jaguars wrote an article the other day talking about the thresholds that the Jaguars apparently have at defensive back, and one thing they seem to drool over is length. Uh, out of, you know, if there's anything that they can get out of their defensive backs, it's lengthy guys. And Justin Lane, he fits that mold. He's in the 91st percentile among cornerbacks at, for height at 6, 1, and 3 quarters. Uh, arm length, the 93rd percentile with 33-inch arms. Uh, he's explosive. He had a 97th percentile broad jump at 134 inches, 37.5-inch vertical in the 70th. So you can tell why he played receiver. <laughs> but, but uh he's a converted re uh receiver to cornerback played the ball really well you know had a lot of pa uh, passes defended there at Michigan State and you got to watch this transition I mean what did you see out of him you know originally as a receiver and how much growth have you seen in his game overall making that transition to cornerback yeah he originally came to East Lansing as a four-star wide receiver uh, you know and, and that was arguably Mark D'Antonio's most uh, talented class the 2016 class and he was you know a top three or four player in that class uh, you know Michigan State already had a lot of talent at wide receiver already uh, they were feeling a little thin in the defensive backfield so they thought he could make that transition and he did it really well I mean he well, he measured at uh, six two at the combine. MSU had him, I think, listed at six three throughout the season. So you know, either they were lying or he shrunk. But <laughs> uh, but yeah, he's got thirty three inch inch arms. Uh, you know, you, as you touched on, he's an incredible. He is a converted wide receiver, as we already said. So you know, that way, you know, he's got the ball skills. You know, you know, he he can recognize routes as well. From you know opposing wide receivers, and I think. You know he's he's not going to make it out of the second round. So Jacksonville wants him, and you know I would absolutely love for that to happen. Right. Uh, they're they're going to have to take him. You know, with early second round, and unless they trade back in, but I don't see that happening. Um, but you know, because you look at the the cornerback depth, and after DJ Hayden, it's nothing but a bunch of undrafted free agents. So right. Uh, and, and AJ Boye, you know, next year if the team decides they want to move on, um, you know, he's got no guaranteed money left and they need to make a cap casualty or whatever. Not saying I want this to happen. I love Boye. I don't want it to happen, but they could have somebody, you know, they can dress somebody like Lane and have him in the fold, you know, get him a year under his belt. You know, I see him more as a, an outside cornerback. Uh, he doesn't really have the top end speed to be playing the slot, um, you know, the nickel. So what he does, you know, what he, he makes up with that, with his, with his arm length and his great uh, ball skills. So, you know, I would love to see it happen. I don't know that it will, but I he think had, it'd be uh, a, a good pick. 
he had 15 defended passes this past year. I mean, you don't really hear about that that much. This kid, this kid sounds like he's just got pure crazy ball skills, and the I mean, like that transition from receiver had to have given him such a leg up at that point. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and you know, to his advantage too, Michigan State had one of the top defenses in uh, in the nation, so you know, it, it helped him that he got to play with, you know, guys who were constantly pressuring the quarterback and making plays that way. But, yeah, you know, even one-on-one, you know, he can press you. Uh, he can, you know, knock the ball. The, the, the kind of ironic thing about it, though, is that, like, one of the knocks on him was that he should have had more interceptions, even though he had a bunch of passes defended. Um, you know, that's not really that big of a concern to me. But, yeah, you know, coming in, being able to, play the the wide receiver position um you know i i believe if i remember correctly he made the transition to cornerback at the end of his freshman year right toward, uh, toward the end of that season and that was a, a just a disastrous season for msu uh they were coming off of a really good year and everything kind of went to hell that year so that's why they were making you know switches like that and thing uh you know they played lane on defense and and he really just emerged into one of the best cornerbacks in the big 10 over the last couple of years, uh, I really think he, you know, he's going to be a really good, if not great, Pro Bowl level NFL player one day. You mentioned it earlier about the Jaguars, you know, maybe being able to move on from AJ Boye. Right now, as things stand, and it's so far away that we can't, you know, we can't predict exactly where their cap room will be at. But right now, over the cap has them at twelve million for twenty twenty. Uh, in room, which is better than being in the negatives like they were this past year. So progress. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Uh, moving on from Boye would put them up to nearly 24. So those it, we didn't see it coming last year where they took Taven Bryan uh, to eventually replace Malik Jackson. People still aren't that big of a fan of him because they could have taken a guard or something. But in hindsight now, once you realize what they were doing, and people, some people realize that pretty quickly, um, once you realize that that was their plan – the money they saved on Jackson, you know, right. they're a fan or not. They went out and used that money to go sign Nick Foles and fix the QB room. So you can see the vision. And while we don't think that that's the greatest vision they should have in the first round this year, you know, if they, they have two third round picks, if they were to go offense again in the second at 38 and then trade back into the second and grab lane, or even maybe use that 38th overall pick, I'd be a lot more comfortable with it at that point than at seventh overall. Uh, that's one of those moves that, you know, you could really see them making. He's a dude that made this transition in college, learned a totally new position to him. So he's going to face a learning curve. What better to do than learn between, uh, behind, I should say, two great cornerbacks in Jalen Ramsey and AJ Boye to where, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to see the vision immediately, but over time it would make a lot of sense. Exactly. And, you know, and, and some, uh, draft circles or mock drafters or you know some of the pundits are you know they think lane is really ascending he could you know if he keeps moving up he could even work his way up into the you know the end of the first round I, I think he's still a second round guy um, but you know I definitely think that he's somebody that is going to have a nice career so yeah I'm all for him coming to Jacksonville well let's wait and see if that happens we are in April, it is April 1st when we record this. You'll probably be hearing it April 2nd. But regardless, it is draft month. It is only a couple of weeks away. Let's see if the Jaguars do pull any surprises and maybe consider a guy like Justin Lane as well as 
they're so good at catching us off guard in the NFL draft. Uh, it's just what they like to do. We saw it last year. We've seen it in years past. So let's see what they want to do in what is probably the most crucial NFL draft that this front office has faced. Ryan, I want to thank you for coming on the show with me tonight to talk up the Jags, talk up Justin Lane. He's an exciting prospect, but thanks again. Uh, make sure to go ahead and shout out to where everyone can find your work. Yeah, uh, Big Cat Country on SB Nation. And you can also catch me on Twitter at Ryan Oblenis, R-Y-A-N-O-B-L-E-N-E-S-S. Um, yeah, but I really appreciate you bringing me on, Zach. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And be sure to do it again soon. And yeah, you guys sure. you guys can find all the Locked on Jaguars podcasts just about anywhere you can listen to podcasts. iTunes, can I, Spotify. Can I get a quick uh, go green for the final four? <laughs> Oh yeah, go ahead and uh, you know it's Izzo. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I I was rooting for Houston in this tournament and they disappointed me the other night. But at the end of the day, I don't watch enough basketball to really have, <laughs> formulate an opinion. Go Taco Fall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, should have should have been Duke in the first place. Oh, uh, that'd have been fantastic. But yeah. go green and go subscribe. Go yeah, go subscribe to Locked On Jaguars. Just about anywhere you can find podcasts. We'll catch up with you guys next time.